You are listening to the Yoga Girl podcast. Conversations from the heart. Then I get a ring about the monkeys are serious. Now they're but they know. You know what they say? <laughs> what monkeys? <laughs> I can't go bother later. I can't go where they care. What story are you telling? Are you telling a story? Um, the monkeys. Tell a story. Hey, you want to tell the story about your birthday party? Um, hey, look, that's mama. That's mama. And, that's my mama and papa. Are you done with the podcast? And you want to speak a little more? Okay. I can't go further, but about the monkeys. You know what they say? Hey, how about you tell everyone on the podcast about your favorite dinosaurs? You wanna? Hey, I know. I have an idea. You have an idea? I don't make a podcast now. Goodbye, everybody. Thank you. Very good. Now it's your turn. Welcome to a brand new episode of the Yoga Girl podcast, Conversations from the Heart. I am so excited to sit here to talk to you right now. I feel really grateful in this moment here now. And I feel like it's been a minute since since I was just here alone, getting the chance to share and open up with you. So welcome, 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 and thank you for tuning in. It is, it is a new day. <laughs> it is a new life. It is a new world, I feel, in so many ways. I think before we dive into uh, the theme and a the little bit of storytelling for this week, let's take a moment to ground, yeah? So wherever you are at in this moment, just giving yourself an opportunity to get comfortable. And that can mean different things on different days, right? So allowing yourself maybe to sink a little bit deeper into your seat or take up more space wherever you are right now or shift or change something around your body or your posture just so you feel comfortable here now. And once you get there, let's close the eyes. And with the eyes closed, we'll take a deep, deep, full breath in through the nose. Open the mouth and let it go. And then give yourself some space, some time right now to bring all of your awareness inward, to really center your awareness here now. And if you like, you can do that through the avenue of the breath, just by bringing more awareness to the breath in and the breath out. When I do this, I like to get so present with my breath that I can actually distinguish between the subtle changes and shifts that happen within my own body with every breath in and every breath out. And you might notice just within your own breath right now, how many parts of your body are actually involved when it comes to your breathing. And the cool thing about the breath is that it's automatic, right? It happens all day long. We don't have to think about it. 
And it's also voluntary, meaning you can control the breath. You can choose how to breathe. You can choose to deepen or shorten the breath. So right here, right now, noticing the quality of your breath, the way it already is in this moment. Noticing if your breath has a lot of space today, or if you're sensing any kind of restriction around your breath. Notice if the breath is long or if it's short or perhaps somewhere right between. If the breath is deep or shallow. And if you're sensing any kind of tension around the breath, perhaps there's one side of the nostrils that's a little more restricted than the other or sometimes a feeling of just tension or a bit of heaviness in the body can actually make it a little more challenging to breathe deeply. So notice all of this. If you're feeling spacious and open or constricted or tight. And whatever you're feeling in this moment, don't judge. Yeah, there's no such thing as good or bad. There's just being here right now. And whatever space you're finding yourself in, know that it makes absolute total sense. And this is something that I've been contemplating a lot lately. The fact that when the body speaks to us and gives us signs and talks to us in different ways, it's never random. So if right now you're sensing, man, it's a little bit challenging for me to really connect with my breath today, or I'm experiencing pain in my body and it's making it harder for me to be present or anything else that might look as if it's an obstacle or something that's in the way, know that it makes absolute total sense that this is the way you are feeling today. And sometimes what it takes is a little bit more of that practice of slowing down and getting present enough with our own selves so that we can connect the dots, right? And recognize everything that happened so far today or so far this week or so far this year, right? The gift that keeps giving that is 2020. Everything leading up to this moment, everything aligning in the way it did so that you could sit here the way you are in this moment. And especially on that emotional level, right? So not just the breath and the body, but on the emotional level of the heart, if you're experiencing some kind of sadness right now, some kind of pain, experiencing loss, betrayal, abandonment, confusion, frustration, fear. Fear has been a big one for all of us, I think. Especially then, what would it feel like right now to just give yourself permission to feel the way you're feeling right now? To let the body be the way the body is right now. And to let the breath be as well. What would that be like? Just giving yourself complete permission to settle and be the way you are with what life has brought you today. For me, I can sense just my body taking a deep breath. It's like a oh, relief to give myself permission to feel the way I'm already feeling, to actually 
forget to move away from this idea that is very ingrained in us that we're supposed to be happy all the time, right? Or we're supposed to be okay all the time. We're grateful all the time. It's a lot of pressure. And also means that we're going to be spending a lot of time and energy not accepting each moment for what it is or resisting different kinds of emotions when they come up or trying to escape or maybe numb ourselves when things that we deem bad, right? If it's emotions or life situations when they come up. So giving ourselves that permission to just be, oh, it feels, feels really good, doesn't it? That's what I want this podcast to really be, just a moment, an hour where your body can soften, where you can just listen from that place deep inside of you, where the breath can slow down a bit, all on its own. So giving yourself just a few more moments here now, and perhaps noticing that the breath is beginning to slow down. It's pretty amazing how the natural response to us bringing our awareness to the body is that the body begins to let go, right? Any tension we've been accumulating in the body throughout the day, just little by little begins to melt away. If there was tightness or shortness of breath, you'll find that the body begins to automatically look for deeper breaths. And also with that permission might come the surfacing of some sort of emotion. And it's a beautiful practice stepping into that emotion, whatever it is, holding it, processing it, and allowing it for what it is, right? Allowing it to be for what it is without having to change, without having to shift, just being right here. So with that, let's take a deeper breath in through the nose. Take a moment to pause, hold the breath in for just a moment, and then open the mouth and loud and clear, let it out. And if you like blinking your eyes open, hmm. You are listening to The Yoga Girl Podcast conversations from the heart. The world is changing and so is business. More and more people are investing their time and money into becoming entrepreneurs or freelancers. And now more and more people are working from home with more businesses going international. So let's talk about TransferWise, the smartest way to send and receive money internationally. If you've ever had to move money across borders, chances are you were haunted by hidden fees. Whatever provider you used, they likely hid an extra fee in the exchange rate, and you ended up paying too much. If you didn't notice, well, that's probably the whole point. TransferWise is different. You always get the real exchange rate when you send money to over 70 countries. You pay one super low fee and you hold on to more of your money. TransferWise also offers an easy alternative to opening a bank account in a new country. Their multi-currency account lets you hold up to 45 currencies at once and convert between them anytime you like. You can even get your own bank details for the US, UK, Eurozone, and Australia, meaning you receive money from those countries for free. It's great for freelancers or for anyone who works internationally. 
Don't take my word for it. TransferWise has over 6 million customers who save $3 million every day in bad rates and hidden bank fees. That's over a billion dollars in savings every year. The world is changing, so get on board with TransferWise. Try them out today and get your first transfer for free by visiting transferwise.com slash yoga. You are listening to the Yoga Girl podcast, conversations from the heart. <laughs> I feel a little weepy right now. I feel like I could, I could cry on cue. <laughs> I gotta admit, that's kind of how I'm feeling all day, every day these days is that I can cry on cue. <laughs> I don't need anything, you know, massive or terrible or hard to come my way to, to feel my feelings out in the open. I can literally just cry on cue, which I used to really dislike. Like I used to feel really uncomfortable with the whole idea of crying in front of other people. Um, crying at all actually was, a was one of those emotions that I was taught really early was a, a bad one right? That we only cry if we've done something wrong or, you know, suck it up. What are you crying about? You know, like that kind of energy. So for me, the journey back to crying, the journey of allowing my tears when they come through, um, it's been a really powerful one, I gotta say. So, so hi, speaking from the heart in this moment, I want to share a little bit about how I'm doing right now. <laughs> I don't know even where to start. Honestly, it's been three weeks since I uh, since I sat down to record a podcast all, all on my own, you know. And honestly, the past three weeks, I feel like enough has happened within me and around me that I could write. I could write another book. <laughs> Maybe my third book will be like the three weeks that just happened. Imagine that. But so in this moment, right now, as I am, I am sitting in what I have called or deemed my sacred space, the space formerly known as our guest room, also calling it my goddess tower. But above everything else, it's my sacred space. And just the fact that I have this space in my house right now is, uh, is, a, is a little miracle all, all on its own. I was sitting yesterday just kind of contemplating deeply the big, big things and shifts and changes that, that I have seen come my way, whether or not I wanted them and the shifts and changes that I have made happen, right? Through practice, through grit, through resilience, through a longing for something different over the past couple of months. And a really big part of that is actually having the space that I'm sitting in recording this in right now. So Dennis and I, we've had this house, we bought this house in 2013, September, 2013. We have a picture that Facebook reminds me of sometimes of him uh, carrying me <laughs> over the doorstep, <laughs> holding a bottle of champagne the day we got the keys to this house. And it was one of those things where the house we had before this one was probably, I think, I think in our minds, we thought we were three houses away from getting a house like the one we have now. It was definitely something we couldn't afford. Our, our past house was a one bedroom, didn't have any guest room. There was just one single small bedroom with a bathroom in the bedroom. So we could never really have guests over because they would have to like go into our bedroom to go pee and uh, super, super, super tiny, very cute little space, but very, very tiny and, and, and pretty run down. 
And then uh, when we decided we wanted to buy something, we wanted to invest in something, we wanted to take this next step into adulthood, you know, that feeling of buying your first house, it's such a big deal. And we found a little house that kind of was in our price range that we thought we could swing and uh, went over there and it was on the, on the north coast of the island, which is such a beautiful, beautiful part of this island. It's just... The North Coast here, it's, you know, it's all cacti, literally. I look out the window and all I see is cactus everywhere. Big hills, big boulders, rocks, like it's very, very arid and dry, but beautiful. And this house that that we had found, it was like a little kind of boxy, two-story like little house with a little yard, but it was in this part of the island that we loved so much. So we decided, okay, we're going to go for it. And put an offer in and the realtor came back to us and said that he had just closed with someone else. So we didn't get it. And uh, I remember that moment. I remember us feeling like so bummed. Oh, you know, like we really had our hearts set on that place. And oh, it was such a, such a cute little house and like in our price range. Okay. And then uh, randomly, Dennis got a call from a friend. It's one of those like random things that happened that I realized afterwards was just this grace from God. I don't know. A friend of his said, Hey, I saw you were at a showing. Like I saw your car outside that house. I know they just sold, but we are selling our house and it's on the same street or it's just around the corner. Just continue down the road. And it's on that final road where there's only a couple houses and, and uh, it has a really good view and a lot of privacy. Um, do you want to come check it out? You know? And I remember Dennis telling me, uh, you know, I, I don't know if we should even go because I'm I'm 100% certain this house, we won't be able to swing it. Like it's going to be out of our price range. And I said, you know what? Like it feels like a sign that they saw that you were there. You know, like let's just go. Like so we didn't have a realtor or anything involved. We just personally went to this friend, this kind of acquaintance, not a friend, but acquaintance of Dennis's. And I remember we walked into the house and it's one, it's one of those houses where you walk through the front door and take a step in and you see the ocean you know so we were not ocean front but we have we're in the desert and in the distance we see the ocean and just cactus all around and it's really breezy here and it's just this yeah this kind of one of a kind feeling of being right here and I remember in that moment I looked at him and I was like yeah this this is it I don't know what kind of mountains we have to move but we, this is the house this is the one where we're gonna we're gonna make this happen and at the end of the day, we did, you know, magically. So for us, this house, and it's already been, I mean, it, that's wild to imagine. It's been seven years we've lived here. And getting this house was such a dream come true. And we'd never owned a house before, neither of us. Never, you know, renovated anything in our lives. I don't think either of us had ever held like a power tool or painted a wall in our lives. We're not those kinds of people. And we got this house and this was 2013. So we had just started traveling like crazy, teaching yoga all across the world. We had just gotten Ringo. Ringo was like a tiny little puppy when we moved here. We had Sergeant Pepper, Keela and Laika, our other, our other dogs. And so we got this house and we didn't really do anything with it. And I was thinking about this a lot now, just the fact how many years went of us just moving into the space very sparsely furnished, you know, because we didn't have a lot of money and everything we had kind of went into the space and then we were traveling all the time. So we didn't really nest in a way that I can recognize now as truly nesting, right? It wasn't until I got pregnant with Lea Luna, which was 2016, that we actually, for the first time, 
redecorated or renovated a part of the house that we actually painted, put fresh paint on the walls that we actually looked around and went, hey, you know, is this really the way we want this? And we started making some changes. I think getting pregnant, of course, comes with this need to nest, this feeling of I want to I make this space really mine. So that was our, our first moment of, of shifting something. And back then, you know, our backyard was, was, it was this kind of space where you couldn't really even sit outside. It was just desert, really, really, really dirty, dust everywhere, like a big dirt patch in the back of the house. So we had this beautiful view, but there was no outside space to sit. And then the baby was born and I, I immediately recognized like, okay, this baby is a water baby. We didn't have a bathtub. We didn't have a space for her to be in water. But whenever we took her to the ocean, it was like watching her whole being light up, you know, as if she's just such a Pisces, such a fish. And our next little phase, or which was, I think, the biggest project we ever did in our lives up, up till that point, was putting in a pool here from scratch. And it was such a project, such a process. It took so many months. And, you know, we had construction workers here, I think, for half a year. And it was just this really, really, really intense, intense time. But that's it. Like, that's really it. You know, so in terms of we never landscaped. We never, like, looked at the house in terms of, hey, what's broken? Like, there's a lot of things that have been broken. We've had leaks in the roof. We've had mold. We've had, like, a lot of weird stuff. And the house on its own, it's kind of weirdly put together. It's a really old, a part of the house is old, very, very old. And then the previous owners attach this whole second face to the house, but it's in a totally different style than the original house. It's like full of weird corners and nooks and round walls everywhere and pillars in the middle of things. It's like looking at this house now very objectively, <laughs> it's a weird house. Like it really, really is a weird house. And if it's something, I think the most beautiful thing that coronavirus and isolation and quarantine really brought was, was, was the ability to really ground into our home and to really nest. And when I say nest, I mean nest like we have never nested before. And before, you know, slowing down, I didn't have the capacity to really be still enough to even recognize the fact that I had that big, that I had that as a big need. I always thought that I'm the kind of person who just loves to travel and go from place to place. And I'm a Sagittarius rising, so I love adventure. And actually, that's not all entirely true. You know, there's a huge part of my being that just loves to be home and feel at home. So when I look at this house, the way it was, you know, in March, and I look at it now, it's a different place. Like it's a different place, not in the sense that, that everything has changed or that every room is totally different or anything like that. But in the sense of our presence is felt in every corner of this house for the first time, for the first time since we moved in and it's been seven years, we don't have any dead spaces anymore. We don't have any rooms that are weird or that we don't know what to do with. We don't have any messy rooms anymore. <laughs> I feel like I have to knock on wood saying that because I live with the messiest man in the world. We don't have any messy rooms. We don't have any like closets lurking that you don't want to open. You know, everybody has that room, right? And I think a lot of us have done so much, you know, purging and reorganizing and all of that came with having so much time at home. But when I look around the space, the whole house, I can just feel presence and energy and warmth everywhere. And what was so interesting about that and what I'm getting to by sharing the story right now is at the very top of the house, there is a weird room. 
<laughs> so we have a three-story house. The third story was accidental. And this is like a, a story that the previous owners, I remember them telling us. They added on this section of the house and then accidentally when they were building, the builders made some sort of mistake or miscalculation and they ended up with a third floor and ended up enclosing that with big windows and making that into a room. <laughs> so it's like the accidental space that wasn't supposed to be. I always thought that was kind of a weird thing. Like, how does that even happen? But so when we moved in, this third floor place didn't have a floor. It was all concrete, didn't have anything. Like it was just totally barren and, and strange. And um, we just thought that was the one little renovation project that we had when I was pregnant. And this is the room we slept in when Leah was little. This was our bedroom. As soon as she went to a crib, downstairs we changed rooms and our bedroom is now downstairs so we have of course bedrooms next to each other so then this room up on the third floor became a guest room like that was the one it never occurred to me ever for this room to be anything else it was just we always have guests like my mom would come and stay for months at a time my family my siblings we would always have friends come over and we we would go through cycles of having a lot of guests and then we would go through cycles of having nobody at all but I always had this idea that, you know, as an adult, you need to have a guest room, like you need to accommodate anyone who wants to visit, they should have a space, right? So up here in the space that, that I call now the, the sacred space, we had a massive, massive four post king bed. So like a two meter by two meter, huge handmade, big wooden bed uh, in the space. And the bed was so big, it took up the entire room. So whenever we did have guests, you know, they had this beautiful, amazing experience of having like the best bed in the house, private bathroom up here, really great view. But then over the past, you know, year or so, we haven't had any guests. <laughs> we haven't had any guests. We've had like once, you know, someone come visit, like we haven't really had anybody come, but I've had this idea that we have to have a guest room, of course. And then what this room has become is I needed a space to record this podcast, for instance, a space to um, take meetings, you know, working from home. So we had this huge bed in here and in a little corner pressed up by the window, I had a tiny, tiny little desk and this desk was so tiny. It was just always covered with stuff and documents and trying to fit my computer there. And then I had a little corner like chair where I would record the podcast and I lived that way, right? For, for a long, long, long time. And it wasn't until middle of quarantine where I did a, I did a, an interior design course with a, a friend of mine, Kelly. And I don't know how I came upon that either. It was like one of those things that just kind of appeared as like an amazing thing. And the first thing she said was like, don't you feel like you need your own space? And I was like, what do you mean? I have my own house. I'm an adult. I'm a mom. <laughs> like I have my own house. She's like, no, your own space like your own room. And just the thought of that, the thought of having my own room, like it feels, I, I got, I got shivers. Like I could feel like tingles going up and down my spine, like my own room. She was like, yeah, don't you need to claim a space in your house? Because you do all your work at home. Your whole business is fueled by the work you do every day. You shouldn't be sitting in a corner pressed up against the window doing that. Like you need space, space to roll out your mat without anybody disturbing you, like space to practice yoga, space to meditate, space that's just yours, like to do whatever the hell you want to do, that you can close the door and it's your space. And, and I just realized right away, like, Hey, this guest room that we have, why have I spent so much time, so much space in my life accommodated to people who aren't even here? 
So in this room, I was taking up 10% of the room for my whole life. Like all the things that actually fuel our entire lives, my whole work life, everything that I do that, that keeps our lives going was happening in this tiny little 10% corner of this weird room. And then 90% of the room was this massive bed waiting for guests who never are here. And it was one of those things where I just said, you know what? Fuck it. And I put, I took a photo of the bed, put it on the Craigslist of Aruba. It's like a Craigslist or eBay thing version of something on Aruba. And 20 minutes later, it was like immediate, like, like immediate. Someone came, paid me a chunk of cash, picked up the bed and left. And since then, it's been a little while now. I have found myself with this space that opened up in my physical home that led to a direct avenue of opening up space inside of my own heart, inside of my own body, inside of my own spiritual journey. It was almost like like I had this huge need to have this space, the space to be alone, a door to close, privacy of some sort, but because I didn't have it, all of these practices that I've desperately needed to be more disciplined around, they didn't happen as naturally, right? And I did them more seldom. As soon as this happened and I got to create this sacred space up here where I'm sitting right now, things just started changing in my life. And it's kind of, it's kind of wild. And I know they go, they go both ways, right? I was in that place of my spiritual journey of realizing I need to claim more of my own life for me, which led to clearing out this room, right? But also clearing out the room gave me the physical, energetic, emotional space to accelerate that journey that I was already on, right? To level up basically. So in here right now, I've shared on social media once or twice. If you follow me on Instagram, I'm going to, I'm going to post and share it there because it's so beautiful. I compromised. I have a, I have a sofa now. That's also a sofa bed. It's like a really cozy sofa couch, but it can pull out and become a bed for when, if we have guests, right? Guests don't have to be banished. <laughs> they can still come. So it's like, there's a 10% area where I can accommodate guests if they come. 90% of the space, it's just mine and for me. I have a beautiful, huge desk now, like overlooking the ocean and the good and the beautiful view here with so much space. I have plants everywhere. And then most important of all, this huge space in the middle of the room where I can move where I can do whatever it is that, that needs doing, whatever it needs to be expressed with my body. And the, the really wild thing about it is this opening up of this space, this kind of claiming this area of my life, which of course represents a lot of things in my family dynamic and letting go of old relationships and things that haven't been working. Strangely enough, coincided with, and this is something that I'm still kind of wrapping my head around a little bit, started coinciding with me getting panic attacks. (laughs) I know this is like a weird twist to the story, but that happened. Yeah. And I shared a little bit about this, I think a couple of podcasts ago that somehow the moment when everything started falling into place, you know, when everything felt super easy, when suddenly I found myself meditating so much more, you know, really getting super disciplined with all of my practices journaling, having space to close a door and be with myself, you know, gardening, being home, being still, being quiet. All of these beautiful things started just unfolding really easily. And with that, something inside of me started panicking. And I'm in the middle of unraveling this right now that, but what I've, what I've kind of 
understood about myself is I have spent 31 years totally wired for panic, (laughs) for stress, for pressure, with this idea that there's always going to be something that's wrong. That feeling, yeah? I don't know if anybody resonates with this, but that feeling of regardless of how good my life is or the blessings or the beauty that I have, there's an undercurrent within me at all times that waits for the other shoe to drop, that waits for the next disaster, for the next death, for the next chaotic, dramatic, you know, implosion of something in my life. And I didn't even know that I had this undercurrent, that I was living with this vibration of kind of holding my breath, you know, waiting for disaster to strike. And, you know, it's of course what's fueled this huge drive inside of me to to run really fast in every direction, wherever I go, to work really hard, to not be still, to be in perpetual motion. It's also, of course, served me really well. Like I've used that energy to build an amazing business, to create wonderful initiatives and projects and write books and, you know, all the big pieces of work that I've ever done in my life have all come because of a deadline and pressure, right? I work really, really, really well. Like tell me I have a year to create something and I will wait for the 364th day to begin, but I'll still finish on time. Like that's just how I work, right? So, so it's served me well, but it's also a a really, really, really challenging vibration to live with. And it didn't become apparent to me enough until I got to a place where I think my nervous system settled down enough that I actually started believing that, Hey, life is quiet right now. Like I am pretty safe right now. Maybe no one is going to die tomorrow, right? Maybe everything is just okay. And the moment I got to that place of just looking around, realizing that, man, okay, everything is just really quiet, then something inside of me, <laughs> something really big, something really scary, that I, and I can't really explain it in any other way other than, than it came from deep within my body. It was a physical response of something that I think had been kept buried inside of me for a long, 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 long time and needed this long wind down, this total peeling away of all the layers, this total halt, right? Everything coming to a halt and this feeling of safety, which I started feeling just from everything being so quiet and so okay, right? Then what what came through, I, I think, um, or I'm pretty clear, is a really old trauma that's been lingering inside of me that I have not been able to see or hold or touch or unpack. It's been just there, hidden in the dark. And I started getting these panic attacks, right? So I have a a psychologist. You guys know I've been in in therapy. I still don't really know the difference between a therapist and a psychologist. (laughs) I think a psychologist can prescribe medication or is that a psychiatrist? (laughs) I probably should look this up. I actually don't even know what my what my gal does, <laughs> what she is, therapist. And she was the one who recommended to me, you know, when I brought this and just this feeling of overwhelm, this feeling of panic that would come in the most peaceful moments. Like, what the fuck is that shit? Who, who lives like that? You know, I get feeling panicked when things are falling apart, right? When the world is ending, when everything is scary, when people are dying, when all this stuff, but when everything is fine, like, shouldn't I be feeling fine when everything is fine? No. When everything was fine and quiet, then suddenly I was getting panic attacks in the middle of the night. 
and uh, had to leave my bedroom, my bed, like consistently every night to go out into the kitchen, drink a glass of water and try to breathe, you know, even though nothing was wrong, seemingly. And she was the one who suggested, you know, why don't you, why don't you do a 21 day challenge to do a dynamic meditation every day? <laughs> and uh, if you've listened to this podcast for a while or since the beginning, I, I've, I have a whole episode dedicated to the, to the dynamic meditation that you can listen to if you want to know a little more about what it's about. We do dynamic meditations in all of our retreats and teacher trainings, all of our groups. And uh, my experience with dynamic meditation was my first meditation experience. So when I was 17 or 18 years old and found myself at my first meditation retreat, the meditation we practiced was dynamic meditation. And it's a meditation coined and created by Osho Bhagwan. I, I, I'm not going to get into get into the controversy of Osho. Very, very, very radical and controversial man who created some of the most amazing tools that I have personally ever come across when it comes to accelerating the healing that we're already on. So I, I'm very familiar with dynamic. I practiced so much dynamic in my life, but you know, 21 days in a row, like a challenge of doing that for 21 days. And even though my brain went, Oh my God, absolutely not. Like that sounds insane. You know, anyone who's ever done a dynamic meditation knows it's the fucking worst. Okay. And I, I, and I don't say that lightly. Like I, I really mean it. Dynamic meditations are the fucking worst. So if you've never, ever, ever heard about it before, I'll, I'll just do a little rundown of what it is. It's an hour meditation. It's unguided. So there's no one talking to you or telling you what to do, but it's guided by music. One hour of music playing. There's five stages to the meditation and you'll know when to switch from the first stage to the second, to the third, to the fourth, and then finally the fifth by the music changing abruptly. So it's something that you have to learn prior, you know, and you can learn it on your own and then turn on the music. You can find the music on Spotify. I have a Spotify playlist of dynamic meditation if you want to find it, but it is one of those types of meditations that it's, it's hard to just pick up and do on your own. If you've had no prior experience with it, because it's, it's much, much, much easier to do in a group when you get to connect with the energy of other people, extremely challenging thing to do on your own. So five stages. The first stage is chaotic breathing, where basically it's a little bit like Kapalabhati breath, breath of fire, but chaotic. So it's a forceful exhale through the nose. The inhale is involuntary. The inhale just happens on its own. Just a fo forceful exhale through the nose, but with chaotic, with, with chaotic like a, a moment of chaos in there. So there's no rhythm. There's no... You know, it's totally chaotic, big breaths, little breaths, fast, slow. And what it does is the, the, the chaotic portion of the, of the breath, it inhibits your mind's ability to attach to something, right? So even if you have a mantra or you're focusing on the breath, after a little while, the mind will be able to anticipate that and attach to that. And you can continue the breath while thinking a lot of thoughts, right? Or be lost in thought or, or, or judgment or problem or whatever story is happening in your mind. So the chaotic breath keeps you totally present on your toes and it oxygenates and energizes your entire being. And this phase lasts for 10 minutes. It's really intense. It's absolutely, totally, it's, it's fucking insane. Okay. It's insane, but very, very, very efficient. It absolutely works. Brings you here now. And then the second stage begins with a 
complete shift of the music. And the second stage is called catharsis, which basically is, is a space that opens up the opportunity for you to act out, release and process whatever is moving inside of you. And you can interpret that in so many different ways. Whatever is moving inside of you, usually what is moving inside of us that we need to get out are the kinds of emotions and experiences that society has told us is not okay for us to feel out loud or the kinds of experiences where we didn't feel safe to express them or, or, or feel them out loud in the open. So what comes up tends to come up is a lot of anger, a lot of sadness, of pain can be grief can be resentment frustration irritation in a room if you're 100 people doing a dynamic together when catharsis begins the second stage begins it's it's like animals in a zoo right so traditionally so this is done with a blindfold normally if you're new just to keep all of your focus and awareness within you you know it's not about looking at anybody else but completely allowing for your own process so in a room with a lot of people you might have some people, you know, hollering or howling like wolves. And then some people cursing and screaming like the most primal guttural screams. You might have some people dancing, some people singing, some, someone's clucking like a duck, someone's beating the shit out of a bolster or whacking a pillow into the wall. And someone is, is, you know, peacefully smiling like up in the sky. Like it's just whatever is moving inside of you, you release. <laughs> so for me, this is nothing strange because I do this so often, but I know for someone who's never had this experience in our YTT groups or yoga teacher training groups, for instance, when we do the first dynamic, there's always a moment of shock of like, what on earth <laughs> is this? Because we have been so conditioned to keep it together at all times, right? And you can tell looking at any child, any toddler, any kid, how close we are to our emotions and how natural it is for us to act out and release emotions as children. You know, it's just this totally natural thing, but then somehow that doesn't really work for society, right? Society doesn't really allow for you to, to just be sad, right? You got to suck it up and, and do your job and go to work and feed the kids and, and, you know, stand in line at the grocery store and do all the things that you have to do. It doesn't, it's not really appropriate, right? And I think that's really sad because there's definitely a variation or an option of our society where we can still function with structure and still treat our emotional needs as bodily functions as something totally natural and healthy part of being a human being instead of repressing everything we feel all the time. I'm so certain that this repression of everything we are is what causes big, big, big painful problems out in the world, you know, violence and, and things like that. Of course, if we don't have any healthy or allowed or safe way no one ever teaches us what to do with our anger. And we internalize anger our entire lives. After a while, we're going we're gonna to be like a bomb, you know, ready to explode at anything that comes our way. So dynamic, you know, when you do it with a group, you also get to work in that second stage. You get to work with the energy off of everybody else. So just hearing other people releasing anger can help you release your anger or hearing other people going deep into a place of sadness, crying can trigger that sadness in you. And it's also the space of just allow, like allowing everything that's there to come out. And 
sometimes, you know, if we don't feel anything, we act it out and we pretend, you know, just moving the body, just shaking something out, just making weird noises, just going crazy, just basically 10 minute permission to go fucking nuts and let whatever crazy is stuck inside of you out. That's it. Then the music changes again and the third stage begins, which is the who stage. So basically you stand up or you're standing up the whole time you're, you're standing up, but standing up, you hold your arms straight up in the air. You jump up and down, landing on the soles of your feet, chanting who, 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 who. And this stage is also 10 minutes and it's very, very, very physical. The whole dynamic, the whole meditation is extremely physical. From the first minute you begin, you're sweating, you're moving your body constantly throughout. And the who phase, you know, grounds us back into the body. It's a first chakra, a root chakra chant and jumping with the soles of the feet allows that vibration from the earth to really ground into the feet and into the legs and into the core of your being. And then 10 minutes pass, which feels sometimes like hours. And then um, you hear stop and you stop. And that's the fourth stage, which is silence. And it's 15 minutes long. So your arms are up in the air. You hold your arms up the entire time and you just stay still. You get really, really quiet and you bring in all the energy that you used, that you were creating throughout all the other stages. You really hold in the space and then you just witness what happens in the silence. And that's 15 minutes long. So yes, this from, from the hour of this meditation, 25 minutes are spent holding your arms straight up into the air. It's very, very intense. And then at the end of silence comes the fifth and final stage, which is celebration, when you get some really beautiful music and you get to just express and dance express whatever is in your body to celebrate the day. So traditionally, this meditation is done first thing in the morning. So yeah, that's a dynamic. And my therapist said, you know, why don't you do a 21-day challenge and just, you know, it feels like there's something really big in your body that maybe you're not going to be able to figure out through your mind, right? Because I was sitting, I was in therapy, I was talking about this, and some things are just physical, some things are maybe old, maybe internalized and held by the body for, you know, for years or for our whole lives. So perhaps just a dynamic can give you some power and also allow you to move through anything that's stuck that you can't get to by thinking your way there, right? So even though my mind was like, oh my God, absolutely not. That sounds like torture. Something inside of me, my, my body, my heart, I, my soul went, yes, yes, yeah, yes, this is it. So I literally hung up with her after that session, turned the music on and did the dynamic in, in the space. That was 27 days ago. <laughs> I have done a dynamic meditation once a day, every single day for 27 days straight. And even saying that out loud makes me just crack up because it's so fucking insane. Now in your life, of course, if you're feeling the need for some something drastic, right? Something radical. Dynamic meditation is just one of a million things that you could do. What really worked for me in terms of this is that it's deeply uncomfortable, right? It's not, um, for me, yoga, traditional kind of meditation where I sit down on my porch and, you know, take a breath with a cup of tea and then I close my eyes and I, and I look for stillness, right? All those things. They bring me a lot of peace. They bring me a lot of joy. I love them. I look forward to them. They're easy. Dynamic meditation is hard. And I'm at a place in my life right now where doing the easy things just, they don't hold, that doesn't hold up anymore. 
I think what I'm carrying and moving through, it's too big, too intense, too, oh, too massive for me to be able to yoga my way through it or to continue doing just the self-care practices that, that feel really comfortable. It's like I'm in that comfort zone. And even though, yes, sometimes I have a challenging yoga practice, of course, and, and sometimes I, I really feel challenged when I'm meditating in, in silence and stillness, it's not bringing me out of my comfort zone. And I kind of knew that whatever it is that I was here to heal or whatever kind of healing it is that I need to do, it's in that space of, 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 of something that's foreign, of something that's totally new. I'm not going to get to something new by doing the same things I've done every day for so many years. Like I need something radical and something totally different. So I did that first week was horrible, horrible. I mean, every single meditation, horrible, dreading it, didn't want to do it, dragging myself up to this room, you know? And of course, every day it involves my dear, dear, sweet husband taking our daughter and leaving the house for an hour. Him and Leah Luna, they've been like going on adventures and running errands and going to the playground. And he's just, without him, I couldn't, couldn't do any of this. Um, because obviously it's a, it's a, it's a loud meditation in the beginning, but I've realized also it doesn't have to be at all. And actually right now I'm doing most of my dynamics when people are still in the house. And after 27 days, I don't have to yell so much anymore, which is why I have kind of a voice now. I lost my voice a lot over the past, over the past month. But yeah, the first, first week was really hard, excruciating agony. Oh my God, torture. But what came up in the dynamic, especially in the second phase in terms of of their emotional release, what came up was so big. I had no idea. I had no idea I was carrying that kind of grief. I had no idea. I had so many tears to cry. I had so much pain. I had so much anger, resentment, fear. And it really was, even though I was, of course, like a fully functioning person, you know, it, it, felt, like, it felt like I was like a bomb ready to explode. And that's what the panic attacks were in the middle of the night. It was me moving through my day, doing a lot of self-care practices, seeing a therapist once a week. It's not like I'm a, a totally, you know, unconscious, like droning type person who doesn't, doesn't, you know, isn't aware of anything. Like I, if you listen to this podcast, like this is all I do, right? But there was a level that I couldn't reach just by talking about it in therapy, or by, through my yoga practice, or through, like once in a while, I'll go to the ocean and scream, or like I'll howl at the moon when it's a full moon. Like I have those kinds of things that I do. But there was this deep, 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 deep layer of pain inside of me that I think was uncovered throughout coronavirus, throughout these crises that I've been through. I've also had a huge separation from my mom beginning of March, so it's been four months without her. There's been a lot of big, big guttural soul changes in my life. And I wasn't aware of just how much needed to be released. So at night when everything was peaceful and quiet, all of that energy, right? All of that tension of frustration, of anger, of sadness, it sat there like an elephant sitting on top of my chest, making, making it impossible for me to breathe. So even though dynamic for the first week was horrible and awful, Every day I could breathe a little easier. Every day I slept a little better. I still had to drag myself up to this room, you know, and, and do it every day. 
Second week, you know, it's like almost like every week I had a different theme. So I had a lot of anger come through and then I had a lot of sadness come through. And then, but it was never, never, ever that I felt for the first two weeks. I didn't have a moment of joy <laughs> and catharsis in the second stage. I didn't have a single moment of silliness or goofiness or anything other than pain. And getting to act that out is, is, is the best, the best thing I've done so far this year, a hundred percent. And then something interesting happened and I'm happened and I'm sharing this because it's opened up a big knowing inside of me that has led to a lot of change. And some of that change also relates to how I engage with the world and shifts and some changes that I've made also in terms of how I relate to this community. And I want to share that. So about two weeks in, this was right around, let me see. Yeah. Almost when Black Lives Matter and the protests started and there was so much, you know, around the world still is, of course, still very, very current. But that same week when everything got really, really, really intense, right? Everything was kind of at its edge. In the middle of a dynamic meditation, I had a, I had a, a trauma um, become uncovered for the first time in my life. So something that I'm not going to get into detail of, but something very, very specific, very, very, very painful that happened to me when I was little that I didn't know had happened. And it was kind of like, like I can only explain it as it was like my body revealed to me something painful and abusive that happened to me when I was little that I have held forever, that I kind of packaged away in a little corner and closed the door and threw away the key, right? And, and of course I do a lot of trauma work, you know, and this is a, a totally healthy, normal coping mechanism, especially as children, especially the sensitive years before we're seven, where when something incredibly overwhelming or painful comes our way, the a way for the, for us to cope is that we, we lock it away, right? We disassociate, we forget that it happened and it becomes like a, a way, a way to survive, right? A way to move forward, to not touch that scary place. And I had that experience and we've had that sometimes in our trauma healing groups. And I've seen it happen in, in groups and programs a, a few times where doing this kind of work, of course, can lead to the uncovering of something that we weren't ready to deal with before, but then now we are. And that came my way, changed my life, <laughs> completely changed my whole life made me question almost everything I've been told <laughs> about my childhood, about my family, about what happened when I was little, you know, it made me pull at every thread and beautifully also is it made me remember a lot of things. I don't have any memories from when I was little and I've spoken about that on the podcast too. And I would always say it with like, almost like as a joke, like, you know, like with a little laugh, like from ages, you know, two and three or whenever it is, you start to form memories that are supposed to last until I, I was almost 10, nine and a half. I don't remember anything. <laughs> and I can still laugh saying that because it's so ridiculous. And I've never really investigated that. Why is it that all of these years of my life are like a chapter from a book that was torn out? Like it doesn't exist. And when this was uncovered, I started remembering fragments of things and I started sitting down really exploring like what are my genuine memories from when I was little. I cannot remember a single room that I had in any of the houses where we lived growing up until I'm 10 years old. Isn't that insane? The fact that I never stopped to really reflect on that, like, hey, you know, 
Why don't I remember like what our house looked like, what my school was like, what my friends were like, what any experiences were like that happened in all of that time. Like that's a lot of years, really important years. I have no memories, right? And now that makes a lot of sense all of a sudden. And it was like the moment I had this uncovering happening. First of all, the thing that felt like scary, 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 unbearable trauma of how, how will I ever heal from this or deal with this suddenly, you know, after a few days started feeling totally manageable. It's like, and I say this a lot, like everything that we keep hitting, hidden in the dark, it grows and it feels worse and it feels heavier and it becomes harder. Same as with this, right? And I really, really trust that I'm able to remember these things now because I'm ready to remember them because I'm in a space in my life, maybe for the first time where I can hold it where I can look at it and not panic, not freak out, where I can process it through this practice that I'm doing now every day and actually release it from my system, right? Actually get to a place of, of healing that was never, ever possible before. So the days following that, and this was so, I did several, I've done several trauma healing sessions and things around it as well. Like immediately I just asked for help, which is also very foreign for me. For normally when I really suffer, I, I suffer alone. And this came up and I was like immediate. It was like immediate response of I need help. I cannot, I have no idea how to deal with this. This is too big. And I got help. And after that, suddenly I'm remembering things. Like every week I have a, it's, it's, it's almost like, have you ever seen someone bought Leia for her? We, we had a little birthday party for her, four months delayed this weekend. And someone got her a little, it's like a fossil uncovery toy <laughs> it's like a piece of clay like a clay brick and it comes with a little plastic fossil knife and you scrape the clay off and you brush the clay off and underneath hides a fossil like she's really into dinosaurs right now so this is like her most exciting gift it feels like that you know it's like I'm like I'm kind of working away with my little scraping away with my little knife like uncovering another layer brushing away the dust and then I'm realizing that there are memories there. There are entire shapes and smells and feelings and, and you know, experiences and places that actually I, I, I do remember. They're there. It's just everything, you know, that attached to that situation when I was little, I had to lock away. That was, that's just what would happen. And it's been really beautiful to remember beautiful things. Like I've had some really beautiful, normal, mundane, boring memories come up, which has been a, just a beautiful thing to sit with and talk about and kind of reshaping this whole idea of, of what my childhood was in my, in my life, you know? So that was week two. <laughs> and then week three was really processing that. And then finally in this last week, you know, it's been a month almost. And, um, you know, I hit day 21, which was what this challenge was supposed to be. And I knew there's no way I'm going to stop now. Like this, there's too many big things that are being uncovered and that I'm figuring out. So I'm just, I'm on a roll and I'm going to keep going. But it's in this last week that I've been able to, in this meditation, experience joy, which is like, <laughs> why was that so far away? You know, imagine that like 23 weeks of having space for emotional release every day and not experiencing any kind of joy. Everything that came pouring out was hard and bad and heavy and angry and sad. You know, what the fuck is that? And now it's been this revelation of, hey, 
I can go into this meditation and experience like excitement, <laughs> something joyful, something beautiful. It doesn't have to be this heavy, horrible thing. And now every single day as I go to do my dynamic, I'm not dragging my feet up the, up the stairs anymore. It's just the easiest thing, you know. It's just a part of my day. It's same like I brush my teeth every day. I do a dynamic every day. And um, I don't know how long this is going to last. I don't know. Of course, I'm not, obviously, it's not going to be something I do every day for the rest of my life. But with it, this is the first time I'm really speaking in depth about all of this in a whole month, comes also this, this huge need to change how I interact with other people in this world. And for the first time in my life, I have limited what I share on social media. I have removed the option for people to send me messages on social media or on Instagram to respond to my stories, things like that. And just giving myself more space right now to continue listening to myself. And this is something that I, that I really, really, really want to urge for each of us and for, for you listening to this right now. It's a huge realization that I have, that I've had when I listen to everybody else. And this really counts like quantity and amount of people really counts. The more people I listen to in a day, the more people I interact with, the more people I go to asking for advice. And this includes even things like looking for things on YouTube or reading thousands of books and watching movies and podcasts, like everything, the more people I look to, but especially people in our lives that maybe already have a, a, a preconceived idea of who we are. The more people I listen to, the harder it becomes to hear my own voice. So if I'm constantly looking around me, looking out at the world, asking the world, hey, 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 what do you think about this? What do you think about this? What should I do here? Or if I'm so quick to the moment I feel something, I throw it out there on social media. And then I listen to literally thousands of people tell me what they think I should do or tell me how, what they feel about my feelings <laughs> or my experience. Well, for every person that I actually take in and allow in that space, it becomes a little harder for me to hear my own inner truth. And I think a lot of us, we do this when we lose our footing we forget that actually when we lose our footing, what we need to do is center and come back home to us. And instead we go a little frantic and we look around and we think, oh my God, someone out there is going to have the magical answer for me, right? There's going to be some teacher, some person, some friend, someone in my family, you know, who's going to know what to do. So I have, I have to, I have to really listen to what everybody says right now. And the more time we spend doing that, the more distant we become from that knowing inside of us that's there all fucking along. Like there is a truth, a knowing inside of you that doesn't doubt anything, that knows exactly what the next right thing is, that knows actually what you need, whether that's a radical practice like this crazy shit that I'm doing right now, or if it's a change in terms of cutting a relationship out of your life, setting a boundary in a certain way, deciding to, to change something major, you know, that knowing inside of you already knows what to do, already knows what you need. It knows the next right step. But then, you know, you go and you ask all these other people for help. And every time you do that, you forget that actually the answer is already within you. 
So what if when those things happened, when those challenging moments came our way, our response was, okay, let me spend some more time with myself. I'm having a hard week. I'm getting panic attacks. I'm freaking out. I'm fearful. I'm, I'm worried. I'm grieving. Whatever it is that you're struggling with right now, have that innate response be, okay, I'm going to really make sure that I spend more time alone with myself that I get radically intense and disciplined about the self-care practices that I know take me a little closer to my own truth. Imagine if that was your natural response instead of looking out at the world, you know, like this kind of fragile little bird, please help, please help. I don't know what to do. You do know what to do. Just somewhere along the way, you forgot, you lost sight of it. And also, if you have huge layers of unprocessed emotions and pain and maybe even traumas, right? Big T's or little T's. If all of that is, not, I don't want to use the word clouding, but if all of that is weighing really heavy on you inside, again, there's going to be a lot of things in the way between you and that inner knowing, between you and that inner truth. So we have to deal with that. We have to, like we have no fucking other way. And, you know, this thing that I'm doing, it's one way and it's something that's working for me. It's also something that I'm prepared for, right? I can kind of see how my whole journey of, of personal development and healing, it led me to this place now where I can heal this stuff myself. Like I can be in this room doing this crazy meditation every day and know that as I'm doing that, I am self-healing, but I'm supported, right? I have a therapist or a psychologist, I have to ask. <laughs> it's funny that I don't know. You know, I have a husband who's here, who's ready to take my kid and give me space every single day, who asks me how I'm doing, who holds space for me to share when I have really hard days, right? I also have a circumstance that allows this right now. Like I don't worry about money right now. So many of us are, so many people out there are after coronavirus or in the middle of coronavirus, like in the US, I feel like it's just getting more and more challenging. So all of these factors play a role. And the important part right now is to really acknowledge that, hey, where am I right now? What's available to me right now? What are the tools and the resources that I have that I can actually deploy, that I can actually use? And what's non-negotiable? Like, what's that thing every day that no matter how hard it is, right? No matter how I feel, no matter if it doesn't feel like that kind of day, no matter if I'm unmotivated or in pain or feeling lazy or I want to do anything else, what is that thing that no matter fucking what, I show up for every day? And something about this I, that I attach to, the, to this meditation is after every meditation, I sit down and I journal. And I always had a journaling practice, but it wasn't disciplined. It wasn't like my yoga practice where it's got to happen every day. No, no, no. It was one of those things where if I'm going through a hard time, I would journal, right? Or if, or if there's a ceremony, I would journal or setting an intention for something, I would journal. But every single day, even when I'm not motivated, my mind would tell me that I have more important things to do than write about my feelings, <laughs> you know? We're actually a disciplined journaling practice, a disciplined journaling practice where you show up in that way with that channel to yourself, to your own inner truth open. It is free version of therapy. If you can't afford therapy right now, if you can't afford a psychologist, you have resources available to you, but you got to use them. It's so true. You know, we have the 29K app. 
It's literally free resources for healing um, created by the most amazing psychologists in this field. I have the eight-week course for self-compassion, self-love on 29K. There's also tools just for when we are in crisis, which most of us are right now. It's free for everyone forever. Download the 29K app if you haven't already. We have everything that we offer on yogagirl.com. It's $16 a month. I go live every week to open up that genuinely safe space for us to sit in circle, to journal, to breathe deeply, to set our intentions, to talk about what's hard, and most importantly, to move our bodies, right? And we have thousands of classes and meditations and videos, $16 a month. It's like skipping two, two cups of coffee, you know, at Starbucks every month, and you have that. You have things you can do on your own that doesn't involve anything on any device, right? Like journaling every day, like committing to that putting a timer down. Okay, I'm going to sit down and journal for 15 minutes every day until my timer goes off. Just today I feel and then continue that line and see where it takes you. Like dynamic meditation. If you want to do something totally wild, it's free. <laughs> it doesn't cost anything. You know, it's just you. You can do the emotional component of it where you give yourself 10 minutes a day to scream into a pillow, to dance wildly, to let whatever gibberish is stuck be shaken through your body, right? You can spend time in nature, but you got to be radical about it. It can't be one of those things where we only resort to our resources when things get really bad. And that's what I'm realizing is, is I've kind of been missing is I'm really good at talking to God when I feel like I'm lost, when I feel despair, when I feel like I don't know what to do. Then all of a sudden, oh wait, all these things kick into gear. Well, what if I did those things every day? right? What if it's more about the maintenance of my spiritual practice instead of just the, the huge moments of, oh my God, I won't make it through if I don't continue and commit to this. It's the everyday part. And a really important part, which I would love to share right now, just to really invite you to go there, is sharing, right? And you don't need a therapist or a psychologist to share. If you have one, great, great to talk to an expert all the time. I'm, I'm a huge fan of of all, all, all forms of therapy, but sharing with anybody in your life, not only when things are hard, right? Having that avenue of getting to talk to someone, of getting to open up those dark, dark, dark corners of our hearts before they get so dark that they keep us up at night. It's almost like you have to open up the vent and just release some pressure every day. Like, man, I had a hard day today. Let's talk about that. Open up that. Or, hey, I'm really triggered in this conversation that's happening in the world right now. It's reminding me of all these insecurities and fears and all the pain I felt before. And it's here now. Okay, so talk about that. Open up about that. Share your feelings. Get vulnerable and practice that kind of exposure, right? Exposure is a positive word. It's a, it's a really, really, really good word. Exposing what we hide away. And of course, to do that, we have to feel safe, right? It has to be with a person that you trust. So creating that. And if you feel like, man, I don't have any of this, then you got to pray. Then you got to pray, right? You got to get on your knees, ask God, great spirit, universal love, you know, whatever you call it for help. You ask for divine help. You ask for divine help. And I'm in that space right now where I'm doing that every day. So if things are looking a little bit different <laughs> on the yoga girl side, 
it's because things are different within me right now and that's a good thing it really 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 feels like a good thing that's the, the beautiful thing that's anchoring me through all of this even on the hardest days is i have this overwhelming knowing inside that all of this is good right that all of this is good that all the growth all the triggers all the pain all the things surfacing that we didn't know were there before all of it, however painful in the moment, however painful it is to realize it or to see it come to light, it is a good thing that it's coming to light. It's much worse hidden away behind closed doors, festering, growing underneath the surface, right? It needs to be brought to light. It doesn't mean it's going to be all butterflies and rainbows and comfortable and great, right? It probably means it's going to be fucking hard and messy and might look like, you know... <laughs> Like it does for me, like banging my fists into a bolster until I vomit, which I, which I did several days in a row. Like, you know, that's not a pretty thing, but it's a good thing, right? I'd rather have that out of my system than in my system. So I shared on Instagram the other day, just how important it is that we all get with a new program, meaning we are in the middle of a huge shift massive, massive, massive shift. It's a rebirth and we can try to resist it. We can say, I don't want this. I'm uncomfortable here. I want things to go back to what they were. We can't go back to what they were, right? The shift is here and whatever kind of nudges and signs you've been getting from the universe lately, you got to take them seriously right now. You got to act on them. And if you're feeling right now that you have these opportunities to explore something you haven't explored, then get brave enough and do that to change something that needs changing. Get brave enough, go within, look for that courage and make the change. We can't wait any longer. It's like we're here now. The shift is here now. We got to just move forward and it's going to be messy. It's going to be hard, but you're here right now for a reason and uh, you're ready. Fuck man, you're ready. If you're looking for a sign, this is it. This here now is it. You are ready. You're ready. So let's go. Thank you so much for listening today, giving me this, <laughs> this space to share and open up. If you have uh, questions about anything, you know, if anything, any of this is triggering within you a longing to try a meditation or change something or, you know, just feeling any kind of vulnerability around this at all. And you want some answers. We have a community board on yogagirl.com. So you just go to yogagirl.com. You can either subscribe and then you can practice with me every single week and join the live classes and the meditations and everything that we do. We're also going to do something really amazing that I'm going to share right now in advance, but we're opening up sharing circles now on yogagirl.com, which I'm really excited about. You can also just start a free account, which just give, gives you access to the community board. Go to the community board and share, right? Like, hey, I listened to this podcast and here is what's moving inside of me now. Like journaling and speaking out loud. It's a combination of those two things, the journaling and the sharing. Just opening up in that as a safe space within this community where we are all in this together, where we all listen to this podcast, do this kind of work together right? We need more than ever, I think, a community so that we feel held along the way. So when things come up, don't sit with them in silence, right? But open up, 
keep things moving and take really good care of yourself. So see you at yogagirl.com and uh, the Yoga Girl podcast will be back next week. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. If you enjoy the show, be sure to listen and subscribe to other great episodes of the Yoga Girl podcast, Conversations from the Heart. You can find all of them on yogagirl.com, on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or anywhere you normally get your shows. Don't forget to leave a review while you are there. Thanks to the folks at Cadence 13 for their production work, and thanks to my sponsors. Please support them the way they support this podcast. I'll see you next week. <laughs>